On this week's full-time roundup, Premier League games do not disappoint. Bayern Leverkusen finally slip up. Barca get a much-needed win, and Inter continue their dominance in Syria. We discuss all this and much more. Full-time roundup starts right now. And welcome into this edition of the full-time roundup. Matt Gesslin here, as always, joined by my co-host, Daniel Brackett. Daniel, how are we doing today? I mean, I'm stoked. There was so many games. There was just craziness across the board. And it was it, it just seemed like this just cascaded from yesterday's games as well. We had also a bunch of other sports that were happening. There's some controversy uh, and throughout the universe. So just chaos around the sports world today. But how are you doing this morning and, and things in your world? From a hectic, crazy morning. I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for asking. I thought the the Sunday slate was a little bit better than the Saturday slate. Um, so, I mean, it was a, a crazy weekend of sports. So, I wish they kind of divided those games up a little half and half. Um, so, I could have enjoyed more of the slate on 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 Saturday. But all in all, it was a good weekend. Uh, Got to see you know Shane Gillis live last night. That was a lot of fun. And quick story before we kind of had go ahead and jump into the games. Um, I went to Barcelona Wine Bar on Friday night. Um, Fancy, pretty, pretty late re- reservation, and I end up running into Bill Tioma. And I was like, I'm not going to approach him, but if he walks by, uh, I'll just say hi and end up getting talking to him for a little bit. And he ends up buying our, our table, not one but two bottles of wine. So. I mean, he probably spent fifty to hundred bucks on that. So, I mean, stand-up guy took pictures with all of us. So, shout out you, Bill. I hope you have a great season and uh, just you know, when not your idols, but when you, you you spend so much money and you spend a lot of time cheering for people and and they kind of give you the time of day like that. I just think that's super cool. Um, so. For those of you who who aren't aware, and I had to get downloaded by Daniel as well, Bill Tuoloma is a center back uh, that played this year for Charlotte FC here in the Queen City. Um, I believe he had started earlier in the season and then um, was you know no longer a starter, maybe on the bench. I, I don't know. But uh, a, a story that Daniel was very happy to tell me about. I give him a little bit of shit for it, but uh, a cool story nonetheless. And when uh, someone does that for you, uh, definitely flowers thrown their way for just going out of their way and taking care of you guys like that. That was pretty nice of them. But uh, of course that led Daniel to have a little bit of a, of a downer this morning and couldn't attend our viewing of the city Spurs match in, in uptown Charlotte hooligans, one of the premier soccer spots in all of Charlotte. Daniel, this was an absolute darling of a game and you could not write it up any better back and forth Spurs come out of the gate first five minutes. Sonny puts it in the back of the net. Sonny puts it again back in the net two minutes later, just his own net. And it looked like this was off to the races that son was going to score six goals by himself in this one. And all joking aside, this match did live up to the hype all the way through and through fantastic from start to finish. Any, any initial takeaways as it, as it really just kind of wrapped up here a few hours ago for us. I mean, I just genuinely could not believe that Spurs tied this match. I mean, I we both predicted before that uh, Spurs would get battered. Um, we did. And they got an early goal, and then it immediately got canceled out. And I was like, okay, well, now I feel like City are going to go try hard almost in a way and just absolutely kill them. And they had the chances in the first half. They hit the woodwork a couple times. Holland missed the sitter. Um, so I mean, it could have been five or six goals in the first half alone for both teams. Um, and somehow the Spurs just kept themselves in this match the entire time. And when you score great goals, like Giovanni Lo Celso's goal, and then Dayan Kulisevsky at, at like the heart, or uh, in the stoppage time with like a great header, he just wanted it more. And, and city are, are known for killing off their games. That's what they do. Right. So once you get, get the first goal, it's almost impossible to stop them from scoring. And they, they've they now this is three draws in a row. It's now a, a reoccurring theme. Against Leipzig last week, we mentioned they went down two and came back. But they there's a little blip here for City. And, yes, they are mi- missing a couple center mids, so that's definitely contributing to the issue. But they are not the same City that we are used to in, you know, in seasons past. 
couldn't disagree with that statement, um, but they're still early. It's also a team that's going for a quad, um, if, if you remember that as well, which is pretty unheard of. So, you know, it's still early in the season. They only trail Arsenal by three points now, um, which, you know, even after three consecutive draws, they're still re- right there within touching distance of, of the top of the table. So it's hard to kind of give them too much black for for playing really, really well. Um, you know, they, they still played offensively, you know, probably maybe better than what they've looked like last year with um, seven goals and against Chelsea, against Spurs combined, um, and, and, you know, also you know, getting goals in the Champions League as well. I would say from my perspective, Daniel, this this came down more to what Tottenham offered. I was really impressed by po- po- uh, Postacoglu and the way that he continues to just play that style and, and kind of lives and dies by it. I thought, you know, obviously the, fir- the early goal kind of settles them down, gives them a little bit of breathing room. It, it obviously evaporated almost instantly with that follow-up right after. But I think it, it kind of gave them an opportunity to say, hey, you know, if we go after City, they're they're vulnerable. We can get at them. We can we can still play our style. And yes, we may have a little bit of a risk by playing the way that we do, especially with the talent here. But and they that obviously came to you know to be when they gave up all those chances that you mentioned. But they still stuck to the script and and they fought hard and mentioned Kulusevsky's goal at the end is exactly how Ange Postacoglu wants his team to play. Never give up and and fight all the way through. And they fought all the way to the end and a huge point on the road um, against arguably one of the best, if not the best team in, in all of Europe with an undermanned squad. Let's be honest. This Tottenham team was not fully fit and they go in and they get a huge road point um, that could serve them a long way. Now, you know, you want to, you know, kind of look at the flip side and could they have gotten all three points in this one? Possibly. But I think, you know, going into it the way that we viewed this match, which was Spurs are going to get smoked um, to, to kind of the result they did was ultimate best case scenario for them today. Yeah. And I'm going to draw just a little bit of comparison between, especially today with what I saw with, with Tottenham. This is this season or the start of the season has shown me some shades of Jurgen Klopp when he first got to Liverpool. Now, um, he did right now, Ange, Big Ange does have a little bit more, I feel like, to work with. But when it comes to just the demeanor of the manager and how the team is playing, um, they just have so much belief and it's come from their manager. And and you see people who who've had bad seasons or who have like aren't well known really stepping up. And everyone was giving given a clean slate, and you see like the likes of Basuma and Lo Celso, who kind of people writ, wrote them off at Spurs, and and they've kind of been the most key players. And then you have big injuries, right? And I mean that that center back duo was atrocious when I saw that starting lineup, and I was thinking, oh god, this is not going to be good. But they just found a way, and it was kind of like the mentality monsters, and. I'm really impressed with with Ange, and I, I'm excited to see, especially for Spurs fans, to see where where Big Ange can can kind of take this team. It will be interesting to see, and then of course the next step in in this process is to build build the squad, um, the way that Klopp you mentioned, uh, and, and what they've done over there at Liverpool, and and boy, you know, to go from one fantastic game to another, Daniel, this this didn't disappoint either. A four three thriller for Liverpool against Fulham with some absolute crackers of, of goals from Liverpool. I think all four Liverpool goals were worldies. Um, they were just wonder strikes across the board. And then of course, though, there's, there are some cracks that are you, you know, you have to look at from a Liverpool's perspective, especially as a fan and, and ask yourself if there are some concerns here that, you know, they continue to, to kind of be vulnerable at the back um, and give up some goals. And, you know, if you're looking at, trying to make a title run against an Arsenal team that is looking very, very strong right now with obviously we've, we've alluded to City not only just recently, but in prior episodes too. You got to be buttoned up if you're Liverpool. Is that, you know, is that a concern for you from what you saw today? Or, or do you feel like there's enough firepower to kind of offset that for a little bit until you kind of right the ship? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think your critiques and your statements are both fair. Um, Liverpool decide to take the road less traveled uh, like they usually do with missing sitters and scoring absolute bangers or worldies, like you said. And I mean, seeing that McAllister goal was, was, Oh my gosh. Deal. 
Fantastic. And it was a big deal for me because uh, he's been played out of position a little bit, in my opinion, and he hasn't started his Liverpool career as, as good as most have wanted him to. Um, but when you score worldies like that, you kind of justify that price tag and why you're starting uh, you know, every single week for a team like Liverpool. So I think that's going to really jumpstart. And then you see another a new midfielder that we signed, Endo, who has gotten a lot of criticism, more criticism than Maka, and he scores an absolute peach uh, when Salah lays him off. So we're seeing some of these new Liverpool players become like almost cult heroes, and that's kind of the the start of you know this these kind of goals and these kind of moments are what can define your career and and how it gets started, and I expect both and in the rest of the new signings to kind of you know, a trajectory to go up from here, especially when they're witnessing these comebacks that they've heard about or seen in the past. Now, when it comes to defensive liabilities, you know, we're missing we're missing Allison. So we had our backup keeper in that. We're still missing Robertson for the foreseeable future. Um and you know Smikas got burned on that on that third goal. Um am I concerned a little bit, but I think Kadate is our, our second best fully fit center back, and he didn't start again today. I think Matip is a, a little bit past his prime. And, you know, Joe Gomez at right back has been serviceable as well when asked upon. So maybe we switch, you know, Gomez to left back and do a more defensive approach and let give uh, Alexander Arnold more freedom on, on the right side. Uh, but, I mean, we're even mentioning Trent here. I mean, two wonderful goals he's in great goal scoring form and this could be his best season yet if he keeps it up yeah and of course the the big question mark for for trent is just defensively how that that plays and will that impact and um you know you're, you're looking to kind of offset some of that offensive firepower with just a little bit of defensive mindedness. And I think that's something that if he can kind of keep growing into that, I know it's been talked about within the the dressing room and, you know, within the building just to get him a little bit more, or where do you kind of play him? Of course, people have talked about playing him more in that midfield role the last couple of years. So it will be interesting, of course, credit to Fulham who, who do fight back, although um, they were leading um, in this one and gave up the lead, but um, you still kind of want to give them some credit here um, to kind of, you know, get push it to the end, especially in Anfield, a tough place to play. Um, similar to, you know, the Emirates, which um, completely different environment than if you're playing at Molyneux for, for Arsenal versus Wolves, which was actually a cracker on Saturday. Um, Daniel, there was so much that happened today on Sunday, not only in the Premier League, but uh, across the world of football that we forget that yesterday Arsenal played and uh, they sit atop the table in the Premier League now, uh, three points clear of City, two points clear of Liverpool. And that was a 20-minute masterclass against Wolves to begin that match. Arsenal were just absolutely flying on all cylinders to start. Yeah, no, that first 20 to almost basically the first half, I was thinking to myself, all right, this this Arsenal team might completely blow Wolves out of the water, and this could be an ugly result for Gary O'Neill and, and his men. But, um, I mean, that second goal, too, one of the best uh, team goals, team goals team absolutely of, oh. of the Prem this season. And you see Gabby Jesus, you know, looking his finger like he couldn't even believe what his his uh, compatriots just did. Um, but credit to Wolves. They were able to kind of stay in the match and, and grab one late to make it a little bit respectable and kind of put some pressure on an Arsenal. And they were able to see the game out, which is kind of a, a critique that they've had in the past. You know, they, they do score first and they get up – most times, I would say, but um, can they hold and, and cruise out those leads? And and you see them do it again. And I mean, they're legit title contenders for sure. Um, I mean, they lead the prem as of right now. Um, and uh, every team's going to go through blips, and we've seen all three of the top three go through many blips. So it's going to be really interesting, and it's going to be the. I, I guess what it comes down to, obviously, is like when those teams play each other and the other, you know, couple teams who are kind of competing with them and that'll kind of shake out the prim on how, what happens, I guess. Yeah, of course, those big matchups will be happening across the board. Uh, you know, Spurs are going through it right now where they have a very difficult schedule 
City will have that as well as they go through um, Chelsea, Manchester United, you name it. Every team that has a little, um, you look at the fixture list and it's never easy. There's always a little bit of a holy shit type of moment um, within your schedule and, and you kind of just want to write the ship as best you can during that time. And Chelsea, towards the end of that blip right now with uh, that schedule, kind of fixture list, like I said, with Brighton today. Get a big result, Daniel. A little nerve-wracking. You're still kind of questioning and wondering how how mature this Chelsea squad is. More red cards um, for, for silly fouls that really kind of put the team behind the eight ball. Luckily, get the win at home. Um, but again, you know, you're looking at a team that's still very young, growing in and, and making things a little bit more difficult than they needed to be. Yeah, now, and that's two games in a row with a red card or you know for your captain so, which is you know you don't that's that's hard to look at too yeah so i mean you guys are pretty lucky that brian are banged up and weren't able to kind of put the ball in the back of the net like they usually are um so pochettino's just got to figure out and like how to get this team to be disciplined because this cannot keep i mean these cost you this cost you a couple points here and there that's you know between European competition and, and zero competition at all. So you guys got to kind of work on that. And, and the best teams are the most disciplined teams. So that's definitely going to be um, something that Poch is going to be thinking about uh, for the near future. Yep. And it's going to be an interesting topic across the board for a lot of teams um, as well, not just for Chelsea with how young they are, but there's a lot of lot going on in the leagues across across all of Europe. If you're watching it with uh, ticky-tacky fouls and, and unnecessary delay of game, yellow cards and um, things add up. And these games are important and um, every point matters across the league, like Daniel said. And um, one point is all that can make the difference in as tight as a race that the Bundesliga appears it will be this year, Daniel. Bayer Leverkusen dropped two points as they get a draw in the game of the weekend versus Borussia Dortmund this weekend. Any thoughts here? Of course, Bayern Munich, just for those who are not aware, were postponed due to snow. Um, they will make that game up at a later date. Um, but, of course, that meant that Bayer Leverkusen could go three points clear, and they, they failed to do that. Um, and that's a little bit concerning for a league that we know how good Bayern Munich are and, and what they usually tend to do is this – was this a, a big turning point for you, Daniel, in the Bundesliga uh, if, with Bayern not getting all three points today? Yeah, in a way. Pretty disappointed. I thought Bayer Leverkusen were the better team. Um, Dortmund kind of scored early and then packed it up. And just it was waves and waves and waves of Bayern Leverkusen attacks. And they just, you know, could not put the ball in the back of the net from outside the box, inside the box. Midfielders skying over uh, Grant Shaka had a couple good opportunities, and he's he doesn't score many goals, but he he's good from outside the box usually. So I'm sure Bayern Leverkusen will be frustrated um, just on their their lack of shooting efficiency. That's been a common theme for them this year. They they don't always put away chances, and I mean they still kill opponents, so it hasn't really come to roost, I guess, but. This was kind of the first time you've seen that they didn't finish. They didn't have, you know, that uh, finishing touch, and they were only able to to get a draw here. But credit to them, they did fight back. They kept going, and they were at least able to get the draw from a, a losing position. Yeah, nice goal by Victor Boniface as well uh, to to get the points there. It was I texted um, or I mentioned it with the guys at the bar, and I think I told you before we recorded. As soon as this game was a draw to me, I said, "Ah, fortunately, there goes the Bundesliga again." Uh, it just kind of felt like a game, and we've talked about this before, where the the lesser, smaller clubs beat each other up, um, and and then kind of leave the door open for Bayern. That's how this game felt, where Bayern just have to be absolutely perfect the rest of the way. Um, dropping more points will, will only make this a little bit easier for Bayern. And uh, it's a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. There's still plenty of matches, but we've seen this storyline before. Um, it's, you know, one of those things where that's, you know, we talked about it in other leagues where how much pressure is, is continuing having to win and the need to have to win uh, build up on you. And by no means have Bayer Leverkusen lost. So just keep that in mind. There are 20 games into the season in all competitions and they have not lost a match. So um, pretty strong 
roster as well still but when you you know you kind of need to to keep the pressure on Byron just to even keep it close and uh, that's an interesting one we'll see we'll keep an eye out for uh, a team that got back on its winning ways though uh, Stuttgart who do beat uh, Bremen uh, you know Garassi comes back on the pitch after a small injury a couple matches ago and then continues his hot streak getting another goal today uh, Stuttgart Daniel they sit five points behind you know Leverkusen four points behind uh, Dortmund right now Stuttgart here to stay. I know we kind of have been talking about it, like we're not sure here, but we're kind of at a pretty, you know, pretty extensive part of the the campaign. It feels like this team is going to stay up at least, and you know, at least for the foreseeable future. I can confidently now say yes, um, at least top four, um, because when Garasi was was carrying the team early in full crick and. Garassi got injured for around a month, and this was when me and you were discussing, all right, what are they going to start slipping up, you know, losing a bunch of games, what's going to happen? And Dennis Undav started in Garassi's spot, which is uh, an ex-Brighton player, and he didn't kind of pan out for them. But he's kind of, since Garassi left or, or was injured, he's kind of gone on a, a huge goal-scoring for him. And uh, he scored uh, in this match again. And now they're starting Garasi and Undav together. So scary, scary for any Bundesliga back line here. And, I mean, that coach deserves he, – he should probably get manager of the year, if not Xabi Alonso, just for what he's done in one year of a transformation. Um, but this team is, like, fundamentally sound. They don't give up many goals. And uh, they, they sure as hell create a lot. Um, and they're, they're not the most uh, – well, Grossi's kind of still getting back into form here. So he missed a couple chances. So this could have easily been like kind of a, a humbling of Bremen here. Um, so I'm liking what I'm seeing with Stugart. Uh, it's a buy for me. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, they're, they have plenty of chances. They have 33 goals for, you know, plus 18 goal differential to get tactical here. Uh, you know, they're, they're in pretty good spot, even if they, you know, they're four points clear of fourth place um, and they have that goal differential in their favor. So I'm with you. I think that, you know, they, they got through the bug, the injury bug that always happens to some of these, these squads without the depth and they, they managed to, to maintain that. And um, of course they'll have teams like Bayer, you know, um, RB Leipzig right behind them and who beat Hoddenheim this weekend. Uh, you know, so they're, they're going to, you know, continue to push. You have Dortmund who we alluded to just before in fifth, uh, you know, so they're going to come for it. They're going to come for that that uh, that Champions League position because that's really, you know, they know year in year out that Bayern's probably going to get the title locked up. But let's make sure that we have European football uh, in the future. So that would be a huge, a huge tackle for for Stuttgart to grab one of those spots. Um, of course, I mentioned Leipzig, who who do beat Hottenheim. Uh, they, you know, looked impressive, but um, it really. Something about this team we've talked about before, Daniel, just doesn't really sit with me, and I, I just can't pinpoint it, um, especially a team that I had recommended or suggested we're going to win the Bundesliga earlier this season. Yeah, we we also saw another Matt Gesslin curse here. Um, 10, 10 minutes, you texted me, Leipzig below, direct quote, and they went on and scored a goal almost – Two minutes after you sent me that text, so it's it's been done before. It's, it, it's not a we, this is this is not. I think this brings the tally of Gesslin curses to four now um, on the season. So there's. Well, I think we'll easily get to double digits um, by by the end of the season, if not by you know February, February. But uh, I thought that was funny. But yes, I agree. It's Leipzig like keeps you wanting to see more and better performances playing a little bit better football because they just have so much talent on that roster. Um, so we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it, on it and see kind of what Marco Rose employs um, with this team and if he can continue to get the best out of them or if they kind of slip up in, in the Bundesliga uh, top four race. Yeah, it will be interesting. You mentioned the talent that that roster has. Of course, some players that are hurt, but uh, that that talent on that roster should still be better than fourth place in the Bundesliga, in my opinion. And uh, Daniel, we're also looking at the same storyline in two teams that played today in La Liga. Of course, that's Barcelona and Atletico Madrid, who are both 
probably two of the most talented rosters in all football. If you, you know, if you really look at from put position to position. Um, and so this, you know, this was a, a clash that um, is, is one of the biggest clashes in La Liga. And it did, you know, kind of was a little bit of a spoiler. Uh, Barca get the one nil win here, much needed win. Uh, it's two wins on a row after a big win in, in Champions League against Porto as well. Um, I was surprised, Daniel, at how Atleti needed this match and, and kind of came out of it a little bit slow out of the gate. And it didn't feel like they they really were interested in this one. Uh, Alvaro Morata was completely non-existent on the field. Antoine Griezmann didn't really do too much. Um, I was surprised, but I know you're not as high on Atleti as I was um, or am. Was this a surprise to you, kind of the performance that uh, Diego Simeone's men put out there today? I mean, we both we both predicted Atletico Madrid wins here. So, yeah, um, I, I knew it was going to be close and it was going to be a low-scoring affair. Um, so, I mean, you did too, so we got that right. But Jal uh, Felix, you know, scores in the 28th minute. Um, he needed a goal pretty bad, so that's going to be big for his confidence going forward for Barca. Um, and uh, I was looking kind of at the stats in – Barca, you know, dominated the XG total shots and and shots on target. So I, I don't. I mean, I would say this is a setback, but when you're chasing a team like Madrid, who just seems to never slip up, it definitely hurts if you're an Atletico Madrid fan. But if you're a Barca fan, you're elated that you feel like you can beat the good teams and the big teams. Yeah, a huge win for for Xavi and his men. Of course, you wonder when. Um... Robert Lewandowski is going to get his superpowers back from the Monstars. He just cannot find the net um, and, and just seems like a lost player out there. It's one of those things that's a little concerning. He hasn't scored a goal in six games since coming back from injury. And, and just, you know, he's getting in position. He looks like he's able to kind of find the places on the field that you would if you're a striker. But um, it's just you expect him to finish some of these chances that he's had in the last couple of games, and he still hasn't done it yet. People have been wondering what's been going on with him of late. Um, that continued tonight, but they did find a way. Um, Jal Felix, the man of the night, against his his uh, parent former, company, his yeah. parent, yeah, port, uh, uh, former club, um, and so you know he kind of shined and and, and stole the spotlight and saved Barca today. Because Daniel, I don't think they could have dropped, afforded to drop any more points um, at this point. To be completely honest, I think we've talked about it. I feel like I say this week in week out that they cannot drop more points. But really, against a team like Atleti, who also would have had a game in hand on them. Um, on top of that, you know, this is this was a huge win for them and a big performance again after coming out of Champions League and advancing into the knockout stage. I didn't see the the celebration, by the way. Was did Jao go all, all out or do you keep it respectful? Do you know? He, he went a little bit of both. I don't think he went all out, but he wasn't like he didn't he did not celebrate against his his parent club. So, um, you know, there was definitely a little bit of a message sent to to his old manager, uh, hey, remember me, uh, what I could do. So, but I don't think Simeone was too too flustered by it. To be yeah, honest. I'm He's sure. Terrified. I'm sure he made eye contact and and like uh, you were kind of asking with Lewandowski, kind of what's going on here. Um, well, kind of like you. He's old as shit. So maybe we're starting to see the must decline. be something. There must be a there must <laughs> be a correlation the there. Got yeah. it. Um with his decline and maybe he's just not he's lost a step or or what and maybe he can't he's still a good player. Let's not get it like kid ourselves, but you know, playing on top three biggest clubs in the world. I, I I'm not sure about that. Also, he and Gavi's partnership and duo. Like they worked really well together. We're on the same page and assisted a lot. And I think the the Gavi absence is is he's struggling with that. So um, it's going to be up to who he like finds who he he can work off of and, and trust. Um, but I just wanted to give a little insight on that. Yeah, and one thing I want to call out too, and and um, you don't hear much about this storyline, um, but I I don't know. I'm sensing a trend with him and just how good of a defender he is. Um, Ronald Aruhu, Aruho, excuse me, uh, absolutely shut down Alvaro Morata. Like I said earlier, um, not only does he do this against, you know, a player like Morata, but when you look at El Clasico and, and they put him up straight up one-on-one -on -one against Vinicius Jr., he does not, you know, he does not do much either. And the, Vinicius Jr. That is so, um, you know, just one of those things to recognize that, um, you know, Aruho is a really good defender. You also Top have three. You know, 
top three defender for sure. You also have that midfield that's getting, you know, a little healthier. Frankie De Jong looked really good. Pedri came in and, and kind of started to to feel like he was kind of back into into play there. And it, it lets Gundogan do a few other things, roam a little bit more, kind of be that facilitator that he was brought in for. So I think you're starting to see Barca kind of find it a little bit. Um, but it would be nice if, you know, if you're looking at Robert Lewandowski putting the ball in the back of the net and stepping up and getting you those goals. Uh, a, a player, though, Daniel, that we've been – kind of talking about a little bit and has been stepping up lately it is of course Rodrigo for Madrid who continues to score and get you know more more confidence um in the way that he's playing of course uh Brahim Diaz gets the second goal in that game and, and or the first goal the second of one of the two uh, and, and of course Madrid go on to win 2-0 in a big matchup against Granada and keep that pressure on Girona uh, who also you know, who also take care of business against Valencia. And I know you watched that one. Um, any thoughts on, on, you know, this battle? This is obviously the battle right now between these two clubs. And um, don't look now, but a big matchup on Saturday for, for Girona, who get Barcelona, one of their, you know, second biggest tests of the year. Yeah. Um, first, Rodrigo has had 12 goal contributions in his last six matches. Uh, I retweeted that from ESPN FC on our Twitter. Um, so, I mean... With Rod or Vinicius Jr. out and not really a striker, he's he's like the key attacker right now. Um, and then Brahim Diaz, um, kind of filling in for for injured players right now. Uh, he kind of didn't make it at Madrid and then went to Milan and made a name for himself. And now he's back and he's kind of hit the ground running in Madrid. And I think he's enjoying life. And that goal he scored, I mean, it it was a good goal by him, but that pass by Tony Cruz, man. Just still class, got it. He's class still is got permanent. It. Class is permanent. And he's supposed to retire at the end of the season. I'm gonna be really interested to see if he just renews for one more season or he goes and enjoys uh you know California and do some MLS there or something like that. But man, those Madrid Galacticos, even with their old age like Luka Modric and, and Tony Cruz, they just still on a weekly basis just drop master classes so wanted to mention tony cruz because he doesn't get much much uh credit i'd say through the madrid years but he's been one of the best players and definitely one of the most consistent players for madrid during their dominance era now when it comes to girona same story every single time they go down one zero and then they score two goals past the 75th minute to win the game um christian suani He's pretty old, um, but came on to be the hero to keep them a top, or actually they're technically, I guess, second. They were top when they uh, won the game. Um, but now they they are tied with Madrid. They are second off goal differential, but they've scored the most goals in, in the league. And I highly recommend um, that if you subscribe to The Athletic to read the article that was published about Girona and their ascent to – well, you guys, very interesting, and it was a it was a joy for me to to read uh, this week. Yeah, you mentioned, of course, uh, you know the age, ageless wonder coming on and getting two goals off the bench. Of course, um, just to point out that there's a theme here that old is not the worst thing in the world, Daniel. But that's neither here nor there. But um, yeah, it we'll is see. interesting. It is interesting to see. You'll say that you'll learn in age. You'll learn in time, my friend. It uh, it is interesting to see. You know that Girona continues to 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 battle and fight at the top there with Madrid. Of course, we've talked about this and just how long will that last? And they they still are continuing to build themselves a nice cushion uh, between the you know second and third, regardless of what happens. They have four points on Barcelona now. Uh, again, a huge matchup coming up on Saturday between these two. That really, for me, will kind of we saw what happened when Girona played Madrid. If they continue to to lose points or get blown out against the big teams, that's when you get a little bit concerned about whether this team can go all the way. But if they can find a way to get you know a, a draw against Barca or even, you know, somehow squeak out a win. I think you're looking at a team that that could be here for maybe the top four this year, but also longer longer term, especially, you know, you mentioned the article, just what they're planning to do at Girona. It's, it's a great story. Uh, I think that the, this squad is here for the long haul, uh, not necessarily, you know, just this year, but will they will they be successful this year? Uh, possibly, probably not. But I think Jerome is a team that you're looking out for for the long term, which is great to see. And then, um, you know, it's it's a wonder kind of where do they fall? I think they they do find a way to fall down to fourth, um, but I do think they stay within the top four. 
Yeah, I, I think definitely top five is a safe bet. Um, their recruitment has been insane, you know, with the likes of Savio, Dubovnik, Tagash. Oh, God, I, I can't say the the Ukraine right winger. Um, just to name a few, I mean, they resurrected uh, um, the center mid uh, from the city group. Can't remember his name, but he's the captain of the team. Kind of resurrected Eric Garcia's career. Um, they got a bunch of young talent, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens to that squad and how depleted it gets after the season. Um, but credit to the coach, him as well, will probably be a highly sought-after man. So it'll be interesting to see, but it seems like it's a well-run club and you know it's plug-and-play, kind of like a Brighton scenario. They could be the Brighton of La Liga. That's kind of my comparison to them. Could be worse things to be compared to for sure, especially with the success that Brighton have had of late. You mentioned a well-run club, Daniel. I want to, you know, go back into a different league now, going over to to Syria and a, a team that, um, you know, seems to kind of be riding the ship, getting their act together. Of course, that is, you know, Inter Milan, who not only are top the table, but have been honestly the the one of the top teams if not the top team in in Serie A now for it feels like a decade of course alongside Juventus and, and AC Roma but Inter continue to be that same squad that are, that are always up there fighting of course semi-final of the Champions League last year and they took on Napoli who the the title the title holders from last year and they said you know what Napoli we're going to take this back from you and they absolutely crushed Napoli this weekend Daniel 3-0 what what was your main takeaway from this one? You mentioned some elders, older elders earlier. There were some elders in this one that got and put up some performances as well. Uh, but what was your main takeaway for for Inter, who now clearly continue to just muscle the big teams that they kind of are fighting against? Like Napoli, Matt is probably pretty salty at that comment I made earlier. But basically, Inter just came into the Maradona and absolutely just crushed them in front of their fans and you you can't let that happen at home you know away is a different story but for someone to come into your own house and kill you like that that's that's tough and you know inner are a well-oiled machine here um a full display of talent with taram martinez barella kalahanglu all getting on the goal sheet from assist to goals um they have a fantastic roster and they have, you know, they have not lost to to one of the top four or five teams yet. They've gotten draws, but they still haven't lost. And it's going to be really interesting to see if someone's going to be able to knock them off their perch. I, I slept on them last year, and then they ended up going to the Champions League final and gave City a hell of a match. So Inzaghi knows what he's doing. The recruitment's there. But, I mean, I don't know if you know about it, but the, they're also in a, a world of debt. So them They are, the they are in a world of debt. They've com- basically completely col- like collateralized their entire future um, was from, with like an American firm. So I think winning would help them with that debt, obviously. Uh, and they definitely need to go far in the Champions League or there could be some massive repercussions for, for Inter Milan. But credit to them uh, this weekend. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Champions League. Of course, they're they're in good shape there as well, and in first place in Syria, like you mentioned, dominating the the rivals against them, um, which is what you want to do. If you can take care of those teams, you should theoretically beat the bottom table teams and and separate yourself. And um, we're starting to see that. Uh, Daniel, though, one of the teams that is is you know making a little bit of a move. Don't look now. I told you this before. We went from eleventh to seventh to fourth. That is. Jose Mourinho's Roma, who leapfrogged Napoli with that loss to enter and Roma's win this weekend, they are now sitting in a Champions League spot, Daniel. I mean, what can you say about the job that Jose Mourinho has done here and, and the way that this Roma team is performing? It's obviously early, and they have you know multiple fronts with, with Europa as well, part of their schedule, but this team is this team is kind of impressive right now if you, if you look at them at the way they're on, in form right now. Especially with how they started the season. Um, they, they did get bailed out with a red card, um, and they were able to just score two kind of in the last 20 minutes and Roma always seemed to leave it late too. Um, so we'll see if that's a sustainable way to play football, but Hey, 
I mean, they started, I think the lowest point was like 16th and now they're fourth. So never count the special one out. I'm sure I know you're a big fan of him as as I am as well. This is his last year in Roma. I think he wants to go out on a high note. And uh, he's got Lukaku and Dybala kind of firing on all cylinders right now. So I think fourth is probably as high as it gets. Maybe they leapfrog AC Milan, but I think the two Juventus and Inter are are there to stay. So, but even getting third would be a huge accomplishment for Roma and uh, them being being in the Champions League next season would would be really cool because I feel like it's been a while since that we've seen that happen. It would be tough for them, of course, to catch uh, AC Milan, who do get a, a you know a get right win this weekend and move five points clear of them and, and kind of secure that third spot. I'm with you totally on that. Christian Pulisic as well with a goal in that game and looked really well. Goal. That goal great, is so goal, nice. great ball out from the keep and great touch and and just puts it. Uh, in the back of the net. And, and like I said, a, a great goal all around. Of course, Juventus beat Monza on Friday. So they continue to kind of solidify that top two spot there with Inter and keep in, keep in distance. But uh, I'm with you, uh, Daniel. I think, you know, fourth for Roma, maybe maybe outside shot at third. But you look at the way that they started the season uh, to where they are now, it's pretty remarkable. And uh, another team that is in that same bow as we as we shift to the rest of the broader world here is is Ajax who continue to climb up there to Vizzy. Uh, they you know get another result here this weekend Daniel and now they are within they're within single digits next to their name which uh, looked insurmountable and unachievable about you know 6 weeks ago um yep. and they're currently in 8th place uh 18 points with a game in hand still that has to be added to their tally so Theoretically, the way the table sits right now, you're looking at sixth. Um, what a remarkable turnaround for the squad from, like I said, six weeks ago. And they're trusting the youth. And I went ahead and I didn't run the average, but I checked and clicked on you know every person in the starting lineup just to see the average age. And other than uh, other than Stephen Burkhouse, who's 31, which I did not realize he was that old. Um, and age. yep, yep, another age comment there. And um, and Bergewine, who's 26, there every other player was under 22, I think, averaging 20. That is not normal. <laughs> they, their center back is 17, but I mean, just they're they're trusting the youth, they're trusting the process, the IX way. And I mean, there's some really good players on this team and I don't think they'll be there for very long. So I think IX are back. Keep an eye out for them. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan personally of giving youngsters the chance. And, and that's kind of what IX did, especially in a tough situation. And their, their kind of bet has bailed or, or not bailed, but paid them paid off so far. Yeah, you mentioned the IX way. It's definitely right up their alley, and it's it's good to see them back. I, you know, I alluded to it. One of the biggest clubs, regardless if um, you you view them, you know, in, in other leagues, they they are still one of the biggest, most important clubs in the world. So it's good to see them fighting back. And uh, of course, Daniel, the other big game in in the Eredivisie was PSV versus Feyenoord, which of course I was just I just dismissed right away and said three nil to PSV in our prediction show on Thursday. If you haven't checked that episode out, uh, feel free to go check it out. We we do a Thursday episode as well where we preview all the upcoming fixtures for you. Uh, boy, was I wrong on this one. PSV do get the result, but it was a scrappy win. But again, a win's a win, and now they they kind of have some significant breathing room at the top of the table uh, in the Eredivisie, which was kind of to, to be expected a little bit. I was so close to being right on this one. I, I said 3-1 with a, like a last-second goal to make it seem like a beatdown but it wasn't. Um, so I wish they got that stoppage time win. But yeah, PSV, you know, they went ugly. Uh, Santi Jimenez continues his goal scoring form. And I mean, at this rate, he might not even be on the squad um, past January. So that's uh, a transfer rumor mill to, to keep your eye out on. And another one is when will Ricardo Pepe overtake De Jong uh, for the number nine spot because he's averaging a goal contribution every 70 minutes at this rate. Another great performance for an American this weekend and, and continuing to see it um, in Europe, which is great. And 
Uh, of course, Daniel, a team that did not have a great performance was Nice. We've talked about Nice and, and kind of their chase to keep up with the behemoth that is PSG. That that pressure finally mounted to be too much for Nice, and they drop points while PSG win with 10 men um, and now have a four-point gap there, Mbappe getting a goal in that one as well. So um, comfortable yet to say that this one's wrapped up, or do you feel like Monaco, who, who do win and, and keep chase, they're five points back. Um, do do you feel like there's still a race in Liga or it's wrapped? It's it's done, unfortunately. And you know, Gigi Donnarumma got a red card pretty early in this match. So maybe if Laharve were able to muster up uh, and get three points, we'd maybe be having a different conversation. Um, but it would take a lot, a lot for this PSG team to lose. Um to lose Ligon. It's going to be interesting how they navigate the Champions League. That's really what I'm looking out for right now. But when it comes to League One, nah. But credit to Monaco. Please, you know, in these, they, it's been a valiant, valiant effort. And they get a participa uh, participation trophy. But to kind of rotate over to, to our side um, where football is played, MLS. Uh, final soccer here it's called soccer here Daniel. yeah 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 whatever but um just real quick before we talk about u.s soccer u.s players abroad had actually a really good weekend so you know chris richards finally got a start mark mckenzie got an assist pulisic you know was a, a key player from milan i could go on and on but just wanted to highlight that americans are, are starting to play really good ball and some of the for the some of the best teams in the entire world. So want to shout that out. But yes, Columbus beats Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati actually go up two, and Columbus fight all the way back and score um, and and stop it or an extra time to to knock the league or the Eastern Conference um, Community Shield winners. I think. Me, or whatever you. you call it I can't remember. I, yeah, it. I don't even know it because Charlotte FC never competes for it. So how? Would no, I know? they would never. So that's a but, good, good point. But uh, yeah, so I, I think I picked Columbus. You picked Cincy. So suck it. Yep, got that um, one wrong. Got that but, one wrong. Of course, whenever but, I bet, right, Daniel? We've clearly yeah. seen there's a threat here. Yeah, absolutely. But it was a good game. Five goal thriller. Um, not really much you can ask for. Um, and then LAFC beat Houston 2-0 pretty comfortable win for them so we'll do uh we'll do a prediction uh for who wins on on the next show but wanted to highlight uh those results here and uh you know after the break we'll have uh XI of the week player of the week young player of the week and a slight preview for the Premier League games um so just real quick make sure you like subscribe follow our Twitter account at full-time roundup and uh you know Give us a comment. Let us know who who was on your uh, XI of the week and who was your player of the week. And we'd love to hear from you. So after the break, we'll kind of hit all that stuff. And we're back on the full-time roundup. Uh, Daniel alluded to it before the break that we're going to get into our players of the week. This is one of our favorite segments on the show. Of course, please let us know uh, on Twitter or at X at full-time roundup your players of the week. If we made any mistakes, we probably did. If we left out some players, you know, of course, like we've alluded to this, there's so many players here uh, and so many games. It's hard to keep track. We try to do the best that we can just again, to recap and give you a download of how we do this. Daniel and I picked these 11 players together. Um, these are the players that we think would make our 11 for the week. And of course our formation is three, four, three with one goalie. Um, so that way we are focused a little bit more on the stats offensively, but um, we do keep in mind players that are just absolutely balling out there on the field. If they just own a game and they maybe don't hit the score sheet, but you can see that they just uh, control the game. We try and include those guys as well. So without further ado, Daniel, please take us through a goal key, goalkeeper and defenders. Thank you, Matt. So for goalkeeper, uh, Anaki Pena. Um, for Barcelona, replacing Ter Stegen here. Clean sheet with a big win. That kind of pencils you in um, to the goalkeeper of the week for us. For defenders, we have first Gatti with the game winner against Juventus. Um, this game was pretty wild. It was 1-0. 
all the way until the uh, stoppage time, and then Monza scored, and then Gatti scored a, a great goal. Um, number two, Jake O'Brien, a guy who I, I really – he wasn't on my radar until he got to Lyon, and he's been scoring a lot recently, but he had two goals as a center back for Lyon. Uh, they did lose, but, I mean, when you score two goals as a center back, it's a pretty damn good day. And then last but not least, Boscagli, uh, the center back for – PSV scored the game winner as well on that matchup against Feyenoord. So shout out to him. Matt, lead us off and do the midfield. Yeah, midfielder, I'm glad to put on this list, although I don't think he had the greatest performance, but two goals you have to add. Enzo Fernandez, one with the penalty, of course. Uh, our next midfielder is from Lens, uh, Frankowski, who had two goals in that match as well. Um, Martin Odegaard, of course, for Arsenal, one goal, but also does more than just the one goal. Uh, just can, you look at him and you know he's boss in the midfield and one of those players that's going to be on our list or at least close to the top of player of the week, week in, week out, just with how good and important he is for Arsenal. And our last midfielder is Mohamed Kudos, um, who continues to get on the score sheet this time with a goal in this matchup and um, is one of the best players for West Ham, honestly, Daniel. I, don't, I know we've talked about it and just why he hadn't started right away when he came in was on kind of I don't know. I couldn't really figure it out, but he's been fantastic since he's been on the pitch since then. Up front, what can we say about this man? He pretty much did everything in this match. He had a, a goal. He had an assist. He had an own goal. I thought he was going to score all the goals somehow. Um, Yunming Sun for, for Spurs, of course, um, in their draw, their 3-3 draw. What a crazy start for the match for him, but uh, again, continues to, to deliver. Garassi, um for Stuttgart, penalty, one goal, add him to the list. The next one is a surprise, Daniel. I had to dig deep for this one, especially if we're looking at the forward position, which is about goals. Ferdi Drusif from Zwolle in Eredivisie. I may have completely butchered that last pronunciation of his last That was name, pretty solid. That was I did the best solid. I could. He had a hat trick off the bench um, as they as they brought in him off the bench to, to come back from a, a two-goal deficit, and he gets a hat trick. So when you do that, uh, you're on my starting 11, that's for sure, especially at the striker position. Uh, players of the week uh, for me, Daniel, a young player, could have been on the young player of the week list as well. Just the way he's been performing and delivering week in, week out is, is Anthony Gordon for Newcastle. Just uh, He gets the game winner in their match against Manchester United as well, but he's been fantastic for them and really um, showing the, the Jordy spirit uh, every time he plays and is on the pitch, you can see that the Jordies love him and it's just one of their own already at this point in his career, which is, um, you know, a big step up from him for, for how things ended at Everton. And, and you, you always want to root for, for young, young players to do well. So he's my player of the week, the way he stepped up in this one. Could agree more with that. And he had a, a rough start to his Newcastle career last season too. So he's kind of rebounded pretty well for mine. Uh, Trent Alexander Arnold, um, future Liverpool captain here. Uh, he's just been putting in an absolute shift week in, week out, and he scored a, a dime of a free kick in the game winner. So shout out to you, Trent. You're the man. For, Young player uh, of the week. You got Go it. ahead. Take us through. Go ahead. You have All an right. interesting one first. So so a, this one, I'm sure some of our national team supporters have heard of this name, Amir Richardson. He is technically eligible to represent the United States, 21 years old, but he is playing for Morocco currently. But he plays in Ligue 1, and he got a goal. Um, he's like a center mid, more attacking mid. Um, he's he's a really solid player, and I'd, I'd love – he kind of would be like a missing piece for us, uh, national team speaking-wise. So don't I don't think he's going to end up playing for us, but he's been a fantastic player that I've been monitoring um you know and it's going to be interesting this is his first uh you know first season in Lagoon, and he's kind of hit the ground running so it's going to be interesting to see how how he keeps progressing i guess yeah my pick is another newcastle player it feels weird now that i look at it i had two players of the week on newcastle but for me the way that eddie howe has gotten this team to play with the injuries they've had and the schedule and just the way that they've fought back i thought it was fitting for both of these players to be on here for me and, and for my young player of the week was was Lewis Miley, 17-year-old, who's just come in, uh, got his first start in a Champions League game the other night and, and, and really didn't look out of place and then, you know, had a, a great performance as well against Manchester United on, on Saturday and, and, and their win there. So, um, you know, again, the way that Newcastle are playing and, and just the way that they um, 
they need a player like him to step in with their injury situation and how he's delivered against 17 years old against, you know, arguably one of the biggest clubs in the world in Manchester United, as well as a, a Champions League start the, you know, midweek. So for me, Lewis Miley, young player of the week. Now, Daniel, we normally wouldn't do this on the show there, but there are some funky schedules this week and, and the Premier League has midweek games Tuesday through Thursday, um, as of course, we'll start to see some um, changes in the schedule for, for holiday fe- uh, fixtures uh, here with, with the holidays approaching and how many games are around that. So we did want to do a quick preview of the Premier League games this week. We've picked four. Um, but uh, again, this is not going to be the norm. We'll have a, another show on Thursday as well as part of our more fully prediction show um, that will we'll get the rest of the, the domestic calendar on there for you guys. But again, quickly, four Premier League games. So Daniel, I'll fire off first to you. Um, Wolves versus Burnley. Who do you got? I'm going to say a draw. Um, I put this one down just because it's kind of not a relegation scrap, but two teams that are in the bottom half of the table that are, you know, every win matters, especially against, you know, teams in that area. So I thought that was going to Burnley finally got a, a piece together, a couple of wins and draws. So they're, they're in good form and, and Wolves are, they're not getting exactly the results they want, but they're playing good football. So I thought this is an interesting result here. I'm going to say one, one. At Molyneux, so it's tougher for Burnley to continue that momentum. Although they looked really good. I thought, um, this could have been a game that would have set up nicely for them to get some points, but I'm with you. 1-1 one, one for me um, at Molyneux will be a good result for Vincent Company and men. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if Wolves get the result, though. Let me, let me see. Yeah, that. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And so number two, we have Villa versus City. City coming off three consecutive draws. Um, Aston Villa did play decent this weekend. They did tie Bournemouth away from home, but Villa are unstoppable at home. So this should be an interesting matchup. Uh, what do you think, Matt? Boy, this is a big one. Um, man, City, they still score. Um, they just have a few, you know, defensive mishaps in the back. And can Villa be as as offensively efficient as the other teams that have put the ball in the back of the net against City so far in this, in this draw streak? 2-1 City. 2-1 City? Yeah, I mean, historically, Aston Villa have played City pretty well. Um, I think they actually beat City last year um, towards the end of the season. I'm going to agree with you on the result, though, 2-1 um, City here. They need a win. They do need a win. They need a win badly, and I think they they find a way. Uh, big one at Old Trafford, Daniel. We we didn't really touch on Manchester United. I feel like there's enough been going around, and we talk about them enough that we'll, we'll definitely cover this match and, and preview on Thursday's show. But... Um, Chelsea, go to Old Trafford. Uh, what's your take on this one, and uh, how how does Eric Tenha get his men ready? Mm, I'm gonna say Chelsea win in a scrappy affair, probably like a two-one game. I'll take two-one as well. Of course, Reese James back from suspension, Mark Kukurea back from suspension. Uh, no Connor Gallagher in this right? one, but sorry. Oh uh, no, Tiago, it was. Yeah, you're right. Reese James was the one who got the right. Yeah, card Reese James, uh, and no, no Connor Gallagher. But I do think that Chelsea have enough. Uh, I think two one as well. Uh, the fact that we're agreeing on this many games, I don't like. Scary. I'll take, I'll yeah. take two one. I'll take two one. City, Chelsea. The last game, Daniel. Um, for me, Spurs. They they do get this big result against West Ham at home. Um, I think they get a one nil result. Um, just coming out of this game puts a little bit of momentum, but West Ham are good. I, I, that's not a discredit to anything that Tottenham don't do. Um, I think one nil against a very good David Moyes West Ham team is a good result, especially with all the injuries. And, and the City game is easy to to hype yourself up for and and get ready for and play. Um, I think it's a little bit tougher when you're when you're just came over that hurdle. And now you have to do it again against West Ham. So I do, I do think a little bit less lackluster performance, but one nil Spurs. I'm going a draw here, um, one one. I just, I, I just don't think. I don't know. I feel like Spurs will fly high, but you know, not much rest. Big dramatic game. This is a good letdown spot for them. It is Thursday, so they do get a day. Um, but yes, I agree. It's going to be a tough one, but I do still think they get the W there. 
And of course, uh, no best bets this week as this is a weird, funky schedule. We just haven't gotten around to them. But uh, Daniel will be posting any bets that he makes on our Twitter or X, which is at Full Time Roundup. You can follow those and get those bets there. Uh, again, please download, like, subscribe, listen to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. It goes a long way. We'll have another, another show this week on Thursday, of course, like we always do. So check that out. We'll be covering all the domestic fixtures. We'll probably recap some of these Premier League games since they, gonna, they are going to have some major implications to the title race as well. But uh, we'll be back on Thursday with you guys. And, of course, please interact with us on, on Twitter and extra. We wanna, uh, we're looking forward to another great week of fixtures, um, and we'll see you on Sunday.